Good day, loved ones of God. Good day. Uh, have you heard some news to lift your spirits up recently? I know there's a lot of bad news, but have you heard any news to lift up your spirits? When I think of good news, uh, th there's at least there's a number of things that come to mind, but one that comes to mind is when I was first, you know, trying to date G. You know, this girl with this hot mind, I was like, man, let me, let me get to know her. The problem is she's going to grad school in Indiana, like in the boonies. It's like, dang. So I had to call her. There's a lot of awkward conversations. Uh, but, you know, we started, we started talking because I, I want to get to know her better. And then... Uh, she, she's very popular, you know. She, she's got a lot of lady mojo. A lot of people love her. So when she's coming to L.A., like, she gets real busy. So, like, oh, man, okay, I got to get some time with her when she comes to L.A. So I was like, okay, mustered up the courage. Like, okay. So I just said, hey, when you come down to L.A., can you reserve a date for me so we could have time together? And then she's like, yes, it's like I won the lottery, and then when I heard that, I'm like, oh, okay, I think she likes me. I'm like, that, that gives me encouragement because, you know, I've been through a lot of rejection, so I just need a little clarity there. And apparently you're not supposed to say that, uh, you know, because her, her, she told her girlfriend, she said, like, why did you say that? You're not supposed to, like, show your cards like that. But, you know, what I love about G and me, we just have no game. No game, you know. Uh, but that was encouraging for me to hear. So it is so life-giving to hear some good news. We have begun a series starting last week on living missionally, that we as followers of Jesus, we have a mission. We have purpose in our lives. We're supposed to bring good news. But what is this good news? For those of you this morning that need refreshment, this word is for you. Because that is what we're going to dive into today. So as you're able, please join me in standing for the reading of God's word. The scripture passage for this morning that we're going to root ourselves in is from Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. I'll be reading from the NIV. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive all demons out and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that because these disciples proclaim so boldly, we're here. We're the, part of that legacy. Lord God, we come in in different places and spaces this morning, Father God, even as our sister Sam was uh, encouraging us, Lord God, whatever burdens, whatever things that we're carrying right now that has taken up our hearts, our minds, especially, Father God, uh, for those 
teachers, Lord, in our midst, going back into the classroom. Lord God, we lift up all those concerns to you. Lord God, every concern, spoken or unspoken, we give them to you. We know that you're aware of them. We know that you are in control, so we give that to you. And I pray that you'd help us to be present, not just physically, but really in our spirits to be able to hear you, hear what you So this is like a big deal for them. And Jesus gives them instructions. But what the author, the author Luke here, and last week we heard uh, also from the author Luke in the book of Acts, but this is part one of the story, right? Jesus gives them instructions. But Luke, in this passage, he repeats for emphasis something. Let's see if you caught it. He leads with it, and he ends with it. It's that the mission is supposed to proclaim a message and to demonstrate healing. Okay, in verse 2, let's look at it. Jesus instructs them to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And then in verse 6, the disciples do just that. They go about proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. All right, as we look at that, the first thing that should be clear for the 12 disciples, as well as us for today, as followers of Jesus, is that the mission of Jesus is to proclaim as well as to demonstrate something. It's not just talk, but it's also action. Jesus' mission, if you see, it's not only proclaiming Jesus, but it's demonstrating that he's real. He's real in healing. Today, we're going to focus on the first part, the proclaiming. The proclaiming of God's mission. The next sermon in a couple weeks will be on demonstrating God's mission. So tune in for part two. But part one. So what is it that we're supposed to proclaim? Right? What is it that we're supposed to proclaim? Let's take a look back again. I'm not sure if you caught this, but in verse two and six, the mission of the acts of healing, that stays the same. That healing is repeated, right? So we can't miss that. But what they proclaim in verse 2, is called the kingdom of God. But then in verse 6, when they do it, it says they're proclaiming good news. So what's the deal? What is it that we're supposed to proclaim and say? There's two different things? Actually, what you see Luke is doing is by doing that, he's connecting those two things together. He's saying they're not two separate things. In fact... Proclaiming the kingdom of God is good news. Uh, wait a minute. What? what? What is that? What's the kingdom of God? Uh, really? Is that, is that true? Hey, let's go deeper. You'll see how this plays out. First, like Sergio reminded us, we got to know the context a little bit. He's talking to Jewish people. The kingdom of God, this is a Jewish concept for people that... These are people that had hoped for so long for a kingdom that was right and good. They had, they've seen so much brokenness over the years. In the world around them, in their own history, they had glory days with King Jesus, uh, King David, right? Those were the glory days. But even in King David, if you read about King David, near the end, it was kind of a hot mess. And then after that, a whole bunch of crazy nastiness and at that time, when Jesus and his disciples were on the scene, they didn't even have their own kingdom. They were under the Roman Empire. 
So they're under another kingdom that has not been good for them, that oppresses them. So when Jesus says, tell them that the kingdom of God, tell them about the kingdom of God, it's here, then that is good news. That's really good news for people who've been waiting for that. If you've ever been under bad leadership, you know it's good news to have a good king, right? Second, the original word used here for proclaiming the good news, it's from a Greek word called evangelion, right, or evangel. Okay, that's translated elsewhere as the gospel, right? So kind of some Christianese, you hear the gospel, gospel music, gospel means good news, which is from a Greek word means evangel. Okay, why you bring that up, Dave? Did you know that this word was not only used in the Bible, this word was used by the Roman Empire to describe themselves, to see, tell everybody, hey, we're, we're the good news, we're so good. Check this out. This is crazy. This is from something called a Prean inscription. This is in history, folks, that dates to 9 B.C., so before Jesus was born. This is written. Having become God manifest, so God manifested among us, Caesar. Not this Caesar, but Caesar Augustus, right? He was their ruler, has fulfilled all the hopes of earlier times. The birthday of the God Augustus has been for the whole world the beginning of good news, Evangelion, concerning him. Did you know this is written about a person? Like, this person, this Caesar was supposed to be the good news for the kingdom. But anyone who was under the thumb of Roman oppression is like, this ain't good news. So when the followers of Jesus, when they proclaim that there is a kingdom that's different than the Caesars, like, look, that's not even the real kingdom, and that is really good news, that's a political statement back then. That is a political statement and totally subversive to that current government system. So what does that mean for us? Just in case it wasn't clear, when you proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, it's not some safe, nice thing. It is dangerous. It is revolutionary. But it is good. So when we proclaim the kingdom of God, we're saying all these other things, not it, not the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdom of the world. It doesn't force its way, but it wins people over. It doesn't oppress, but it uplifts. It doesn't make false promises, but it's the real deal. And through and through, and it brings tangible restoration. The kingdom of God, it does not hurt, but it heals so you see, to proclaim the kingdom of God that it's coming is different from the kingdoms of the world. It was and it is really good news. And did you know we're commanded, we're commanded by Jesus to proclaim this good news. We're not supposed to stay quiet about this. We're supposed to proclaim it. We're modern day disciples of Jesus. If we're followers of Jesus, we fall right into this. Right? Even in the Great Commission, it says, make disciples, do everything I've commanded you to do. So if Jesus commanded the 12, he's commanding us. 
Okay. But, okay, good news, kingdom of God, still, uh, you, you lose me, Dave. What is the actual good news message to proclaim explicitly? If we go one chapter further in the book of Luke, chapter 10, we look at verses 3, and then skip over to verses 8 through 11. So Luke chapter 10, verses 3 and 8 through 11, we find a little more of what that message is. In verse 3 of chapter 10, it says, go. Now he's speaking to, the, it says, uh, it's like the 70, 72. So he's not just 12. They come back, they have a great mission trip, and now there's more people following, and he sends them out too. So he says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. See, it's not, not always safe. But when you enter town and are welcome to eat what is offered to you, in verse 9, heal the sick who are there, you see that again, and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this. What is it? The kingdom of God has come near to you. In verse 9 and 11, the repeated phrase, you know what it is? Jesus tells them to say, the kingdom of God has come near. This is huge. This is huge if we consider this. This is not that there is some kingdom of God some, somewhere out in the sky. But he's saying, this kingdom has come near to you, to us. It's here. We can touch and we can interact with it. Now, when we think of a kingdom, it implies a king. And that king is Jesus. Because God, he took on flesh in the form of a person. Since we could not, none of our kings could get it right, he came down to do it himself. But this kind of king was so, so different. He was not born in a palace. He is born to a teenage mom. Really poor, this kind of king. This king, he literally walked amongst them, was hanging out with them. King Jesus literally came near to us. In fact, his disciples were sent ahead of him, and he was coming just to let people know, hey, the king is coming. Like Jesus is coming. Right into their towns. Right into their homes. Let's think about that, inviting King Jesus into our homes. Having access to him just right there. It means Jesus is the true king. And he wants to come near to you, to us. He wants to be near. You don't have to wait anymore. The king is here. Colossians 1, 15 through 23, it breaks this down even more, what this good news is about. The significance of this king. And how this king is so different from the kings of this world. So Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15. It says, the son, the son of God, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, that is the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Jesus is the son of God, and he is God. He created all things and all things hold together because of him. For us who have issues with control, this should be good news. We cannot control it. Jesus holds it all. We could trust him. And it means America is not the kingdom. The president is not the king. Your mama is not the king. Now for a time, you are under the authority of your mama, so don't get any bright ideas. But your parents, your bosses, they're not your ultimate authority. Your true king is Jesus. And that means we are not king. That's hard for us. I want to be the boss of my life. But King Jesus is here. So it means, okay, time to get off the throne. Let the real king be king. So we know God came in all his fullness in Jesus, in King Jesus. And when God showed up on the scene, what did he do to show that he is so good? Verse 20, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile or to make things right, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated or separated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that is held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. When King Jesus came up on the scene, what did he do? This king, this God in human flesh, he initiates peace with us. This king sheds his blood for us first so that we could be reconciled. This king is so good, not only because he's in control of all things, like we said, but because he wants to love on us. It's this kind of king. But wait, how come there isn't peace already? And what, what, what's all this blood stuff? Right? Why, why does any blood need to be shed, though, right? Okay. Good news. It isn't good news until we're clear that there's bad news first. Does that make sense? Like, what's good news if, hey, I'm, I'm living pretty good? But you got to understand there's bad news before it becomes good news to us. I know we don't like to hear the bad news, and it doesn't make us feel good, but we got to be in the truth. The bad news is 
all of us have not done right in our thoughts and our behaviors. This is what sin is. I mean, just look for a moment at the actual news and tell me things are not deeply wrong and messed up and far off. But you know, there's people behind that. Uh, and sure, there's evil outside of us. Babies, children being bombed, people being brutalized, oppressed, that's real. I'm not going to make light of that. But how does that evil begin? Jesus says murder actually begins with anger that is not addressed in our hearts. If we keep feeding that, it will turn into that. You know, and I may not go around, I haven't killed anybody that I know of, right? Uh, I might not be killing people, but how have I cut down people in my thoughts, with my words? Sure, it's not the same thing, but it doesn't make it right. It's still not what God has made us for, for the flourishing of life. So whether you have a whole gallon of poison or you have a spoonful of poison, it's still poison. Make no mistake, we must all answer to our creator, the author of our life, for what we've done and what we've left undone. And wrongs must be made right. If you have ever been deeply wronged, even if you have been a victim of abuse, if that is never addressed, where is the justice in that? There isn't. Because God is just. And because he's just, sin must be dealt with. So Jesus takes on that penalty himself. And that penalty is death. That is why scripture says the peace Needed was only achieved through the B word, through his blood, shed on the cross. And that we have become reconciled or made right with God by Christ's death. Someone had to pay for that. We become free from fault and accusation because Jesus has taken on our fault. King Jesus goes all the way in his love for us by squashing the bad blood between us, by sacrificing his own blood. Now, uh, you know, people get uncomfortable with this aspect of what it took for Jesus to save us from our sin. Uh, this is known, if you want to get fancy, as penal substitution atonement. And certainly, this was not, it's not the only thing Jesus did. He showed us how to live and gave us victory. However, we cannot shy away from the fact of the seriousness of sin in the light of the justice of God. As well as the depths of of how much God would love us to lay down his life for us to take care of that. So for those of us who are burdened with sin, I don't know, maybe uh, that may not be you, but so much in our community, there's, there's folks that and sometimes we walk in even to church with just this heaviness of this sin that still is with us. We still feel guilty. Know that the good news is that sin 
Jesus crucified it on the cross. It was put on the cross, nailed to that cross. He does not hold your sins against you anymore. Isn't that good news? Hear that again. He does not hold your sins against you anymore. He took it on. That's good news. So now, you know, we're united with God, Paul says. It's just like, hey, just like that sin was dead, you know, Jesus came back to life. You're united with him in a new life, new life church. That's what he saved you into. You're united with him. God lives in you now. And by faith, he says, if we continue in this love, we have such a great hope. Our King Jesus would rather lay down his own life for us than for us to be destroyed. And he makes us holy, forgiven, set apart, and at peace with God. So if you're looking for peace this morning, Jesus has given it to you. At the cost of his life. There's peace. Jesus, when he looks at you, you give yourself to Jesus. He's saying there's peace between us because of Jesus, because of my son. There's peace between us. I initiated that. That's how much I love you. So who else could do that for us but the most amazing king? And if this is our true king, what kind of kingdom will this kind of bring kingdom and king bring that will actually set all things right and bring peace and healing. That's what he wants to bring. So if we bring this all together, if you remember only one thing, know that the heart of this message that we are to claim, what is it we are to claim? The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. To us in Jesus. He doesn't reject us, but he brings us close and says, partner with me, my kingdom. Let's let other people know it's good news. This means at, at the very least three things, because I said a whole bunch of things, but, you know, doing my teacher thing, kind of summarizing it into three things. Kingdom of God coming near means, one, there is sin. Our lives and our kingdoms are broken with sin. We need the king the true king, to show up. Two, it means there's a savior. The true king has come to save us from our sins and to make things right. And three, there's a shift that needs to occur, shift. In our relationship with King Jesus, we can now shift our allegiance, not just once, but every day, to Jesus and participate in his kingdom. The kingdom of God has come near to us in Jesus Jesus deals with our sin, he saves us from destruction, and has come to shift us and this world. That's good news. But we're going to practice, okay? Because practice. All right? I want you to repeat after me. Sin. Savior. Shift. We're going to put it all together now. Now say it with me. Sin. Savior. Shift. Let's try it again. Sin. Savior. Shift. Okay, why I'm having you repeat this? Doesn't have, you don't have to say exactly those things to people like, hey, what's up, Bob? Sin, Savior, shift. Like, what? 
No, it's just a way to remember when you're talking about the good news of Jesus, make sure you talk about those things, right? That, hey, he's come near, and that means we get to participate. That means it requires a response from us, not just, oh, okay, right? Sin, Savior, shift. Now, how do we practically <laughs> proclaim that message in a way that's received? All right, sure, you could, you know, walk up to people and talk about sin, Savior, and shift straight up. You could do that, right? But most of the time, it won't make any sense to folks out of the blue. It will make more sense through your life. I'm going to share with you a way to proclaim the good news that all of us can do and that is unique to every one of you. Not every one of you will do it exactly the same. Because what is that? What is that way? It's your testimony. Your testimony. You know that thing that we've made space for every second Sunday, this is second Sunday in the past year. And we're going to hear, don't worry, we're going to hear some testimonies next week of, of folks who have been baptized. Your testimony is something that God has put in you. It's a special, unique kind of good news that is shaped by your life. And no one could argue with you. No one could take that away from you because it's your life. So your testimony can proclaim the good news of King Jesus in your life in three parts. Your life before the king. What was it like to be ruled by sin? Then how you encountered the king. How did Jesus meet you? Jesus the Savior, how did he save you? And then three, how your life has changed since. Not perfect, but how your life has changed since. How has being in a relationship with the king brought his kingdom in and through your life? I'm going to give you an example. Uh, here's my good news of G King Jesus' testimony. Uh, there's different parts. I, I could focus in on different parts, but this is a little bit broader. So... Before I had a relationship with Jesus, I used to be afraid and insecure. I was afraid of the dark, and I was total mama's boy because I couldn't go anywhere without my mom well into my childhood. I used to avoid anything that was difficult. And since high school, uh, as soon as the Internet opened up to me, I would escape, and I would escape into pornography. But in the end, it just led led me to more pain. But Jesus, but Jesus met me even in this and showed me he loved me so much that he gave me another way to live. I began to trust in him when he saw me through a dark experience where uh, I had kidney illness and I was in the hospital, but I was alone but felt at peace. And I started to trust him even more I confessed my sins to Jesus, and I kept asking for his help to grow. Now, after I have learned to have a relationship with Jesus, he patiently works with me to show his constant love and support to overcome my fears and insecurities. Knowing Jesus loves me, backs me up, has helped me grow in confidence. So I could speak to you right now. And now I have learned to surrender my addictions and the difficult things in my life to God. And I've found his strength to impact others around me. Now, by God's grace, I can empathize with people who are struggling with addiction. 
and difficulties that, hey, there is real hope. Okay, as you think about that, just testimony, that was like five minutes, maybe, uh, less than that. You see, in my testimony, I was open about my sin, all right, sin and brokenness. I was clear about how Jesus met me and saved me. He's my Savior. Without him, I will be lost. And I explained the shifts that have happened in and through my life for God's kingdom because of Jesus. Now, if folks want to know more about how they too can experience Jesus and life in the kingdom, you can go more and you can explain about sin, the Savior, and the shifts that he brings. You could go into more detail. But that is a way... Uh, in which the good news takes on flesh in the form of you. Right? And you could testify to what Jesus has done in and through your life. I'd like to call up the worship team now. Beloved, beloved of God, know that the kingdom has come near to you. Yes. You. It is available to you even today. Give yourself to Jesus and keep giving yourself to Jesus. And you could proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near to you and has come near to us. Because it's a reality that's opening up in you. For those who have a relationship with Jesus, you've been walking with Jesus for a while. If you haven't already, I challenge you this week, write down or record your testimony. Right? If you don't like writing it, just record it on a voice memo, Instagram, whatever. You know, you're good at recording your beautiful selves. So record, one, how was your life before Jesus? How did you come to have a relationship with Jesus? Two. And three, what has changed in and through your life around you because of Jesus? So think on those things. Now for those who know about Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're not let, you haven't really given yourself to walk with him before. I'd like for you to pray with me now. All right, so I'm going to pray, and you could just repeat that prayer. Um, so we could close our eyes. If that's you, if you have never had a relationship with Jesus, you want to start on that, uh, yeah, just place your hand over your heart, and let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's talk to King Jesus. Jesus, I confess to you the ways that I've gone my own way and sinned against you. I don't want the destruction of sin anymore. Jesus, forgive me for my sin and save me from it so I can truly live. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Help me to walk with you now. Letting you lead. Help me to follow you and work with you to let others know that your kingdom has come near to me, to all of us. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Now, if, if any of you prayed that prayer for the first time, please come talk to me or any of the leaders here at this church about how we could next steps into your relationship with Jesus. Now, for all of us, let's all stand and respond to Jesus. Let him show you the next steps that he wants you to take in his kingdom. If you've already given yourself to the king, let's get to step and let's get to what's, what, how do I enter into the work that you have for me, Jesus? Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you are the good news. That you are good king. That you are in control of all things. But you gave everything so that we could be together. So that there could be peace between us. That was our fault. But Lord, thank you for your love. We receive Jesus and his blood. Help us now in faith to live in that love. Not just receive it, but to live in that love. Let that love change us. Let that love shape us. Let that love affect the way we interact, the way we speak, the way we think, or the way we move. God, I pray that you'd help us to hear clearly now what is the next step that you have for us. We might not know the, all the steps, but Father, get the next step that you have for us. Help us to hear you. Help us to send you. If there's anything that you uh, were just challenged by in this word, consider the Holy Spirit reminding you, hey, this is the area I want you to press into. Let it be, Jesus. We say, have your way, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Meet us as we worship you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.